So somehow in my mind, um, I understood that if I was skinnier, if I was thin, I will be loved. So I started my first diet at 10 or 11 years. I stopped. I just stopped eating. Um, I, I just stopped. <laughs> and I was just eating lettuce and water. And if I felt super hungry, I added lime and I chewed ice cubes. Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox Podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Newbigging. For today's episode, I share an interview from one of my recent online club meetings, which you can start your 30-day free trial of at minddetox.club. We talked to Ashani, today a great artist, meditation teacher and friend, about her decade-long difficulties with anorexia. She courageously and honestly shares what it was like to live with the eating disorder and what she personally did to overcome it. Now, I appreciate this is a sensitive subject and in this episode we are not saying what she did will be the answer for everyone or making any medical recommendations. So please do seek professional help if you or anyone you know is dealing with a similar issue. Okay, so with the disclaimer done, let's meet Ishani and hear her story, which begins with her explaining why, at the heart of her anorexia, was a huge hunger for love. This month we're on the theme of overcoming. And what I want to do is I want to do a series of chit-chat forward slash interviews uh, with people that have really inspired me over the years, ha- having overcome real life stuff. And um, tonight um, we're going to start by talking to Ishani about her journey with an eating disorder. And uh, I've got a other couple of things I've got up my sleeve to ask you about as well, which I'm sure even if you're not that interested in the eating disorder stuff, We've got other things we're going to talk about in the next uh, maximum hour. So, hello, Ishani. Hola, amigo. Yes, Hola, we are amigo. great Come friends. Yes, we are great friends. And he's also the fiancé of my best, best friend. So, we share an important link. <laughs> we do. We do. So, talk to me. Talk to us about, you know, uh, I know that you had um, anorexia for a while. Um, can, can you give us some background as to that, that whole story? Like, you know, how, how I, I hear, you know, some people find it really hard to overcome it and, and you have overcome this thing. So um, do you want to start maybe at the beginning? Yeah, of course. Um, first of all, and as you said, like, if you're not interested in eating disorders, it doesn't matter because I think this um, kind of disorders, like the eating ones, is, is a mind disorder. It's something in your mind, not really in your uh, eating habits. So we can start from there. Um, it all started when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. So oh. I was a kid. And it all started because of, of the main issue of the humankind, 
love. Um, I just wanted to be loved as everyone else. And I started seeing in my school that my, my friends were skinnier and tinier. I, I was tall and, and more thick than them. Sorry, because English is not my first language, guys. So be patient with me. <laughs> um, and I, I saw that the skinny girls were the ones that they were having boyfriends and friends. And I started to see that I, don't, I didn't look like them. So I just wanted what they had which was love and attention from people. So somehow in my mind, um, I understood that if I was skinnier, if I was thin, I will be loved. So I started my first diet at 10 or 11 years. I stopped. I just stopped eating. Um, I, I just stopped. <laughs> and I was just eating lettuce and water and if I felt super hungry I added lime and I chewed ice cubes because I needed the feeling of you know and of course everyone did nobody notice this was going on like what what did what happened there they noticed it I think we all notice what someone is suffering but somehow we, we act like we don't know or, or we, like we don't want to see it. At that time, uh, my dad was all, um, always working as kind of normal for me. But my mom started working too. And she, she wasn't used to work. So nobody was in my house. And even though if, uh, if at the, uh, the meal time we were gathering together to have lunch, and I just came back from school. I always tell them like, mm, no, I just ate in school. And, and I start lying. I was lying to myself. So it was very easy to lie everybody else. <laughs> right? So, And that's what happens for me from, from my experience with these kind of disorders. Like you distort the reality in, that, in some way that you start... Uh, lying to other people and creating an unexistent world and it's like a dark dark hole in where you live in mm -hmm. so yeah my dad used to tell me like oh you're so skinny because literally my pants dropped from from my body like I was super skinny and my dad was just telling me like you're super skinny you're super skinny and for me was like yay finally right mm-hmm so, yeah, I didn't notice. And there's a lot of information in the outside world. Like the media offers you a, a perfect kind of people and you want to be like them. And love from your family and friends might be a little distorted in the way that they express it. Uh, for example, my dad used to tell me like uh, we were walking in the mall. And we grabbed hands every time we walk until these days. And if she, if he saw a woman, like a, a fat, big woman, he used to tell me, like, if you were be like that, nobody's going to love you. <laughs> well, that's going to help. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I don't blame him because that's 
in his twisted kind of way to understand life. Mm-hmm. That was his way to love me, to protect me from being unhealthy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It turns out the opposite way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was that kind of twisted love. And I understood the world as, as that. Like if you are not, if you don't look like this, like this you're never going to be loved by anyone. go ahead and I was grumpy all the time like I was mad all the time because I didn't eat so of course nobody showed love to me because I was annoying so you know like (laughs) nothing made sense like now I'm skinny and now nobody loves me either way because I was grumpy all the time because I was hungry all the time so it didn't work (laughs) So, so that's obviously even more confusing. And um, how long did this go on for? Ooh. The first time I got into the hospital, I was 11, I think. And the last time I, I was in the hospital, I was maybe 22 or 23. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was like a decade journey for you. Yeah, it was very tough. But once you see the truth, Everyone, everything got smoother, but, but the way it's, it's heavy and it's, it feels dark and I felt lost. You just kind of dropped in there. First time I went to the hospital, what, what happened? Well, obviously if you don't feed well, your body (laughs) starts to destroy itself. So the first time it was because I have, um, I don't know the word in English, like uh, my stomach was hurting me all the time. It was painful all the time. Mm -hmm. So I I was there and the doctor told me like, you are so little, you don't need to make diets. You are fine. Go to your house. And that's it. But uh, obviously this kind of problems of disorders uh, attacks you in in a range of ways that you could never imagine like i used to have a lot of hair like a lot of healthy brownish hair and i don't have it anymore Uh, i had strong nails and i don't have them anymore like my teeth because at some point i start uh vomiting so i kind of destroyed the um enamel Mm-hmm. And my stomach is not a hundred percent well until now. Wow. Um, yeah. So the body remembers, mm. and I re- I remember too. Mm. So is there anything else about that time that you kind of want to give us some background, like any kind of major event or something, just so you can tell us before we start moving on to how you overcame it? But is there anything from that ten year period that really sticks in your mind as a significant moment? Oh, if I cry, don't judge me. People love me more. (laughs) Talk about whatever you're comfortable talking about. Yeah, I know. But no, I I love to talk about this. I love, I love it because I had so many moments that I thought I was about to to die. Like a lot, a lot. And even having those moments, I didn't stop. I couldn't stop. Um, I, I felt I felt like dying 
and I still, I didn't want to eat because I, I was craving for love. It, it was, was very, very dark. I was always sad. I was always partying and drinking and um, taking pills in order to get thinner. And I looked like a thin, skinny, blondish, happy girl. But every night, every single night, I went to bed. I would went, I would went to bed and, and cry like every single night. And I felt lost and I just wanted to end my life. And I didn't understand why I was here. By what for? If I can be skinny, if I can be loved, what why what am I doing here? Right. And there was a, a moment when I saw that I was I was doing very, very bad. And I asked for help. And how old were I, you then? How what? How old were you then? Twenty, maybe twenty. Wow. So, so near the end of the journey. So, so the, yeah, the, the, the solution came quite soon after you were ready and you asked for help. Yeah. It, see, it was like that. It was like magical. It, it might be there all the time, but I didn't see it. So you see it when you see it. And once I asked for help, the magic appeared, not in the way that I was expecting though. <laughs> Well, before we get on to that, I really want to ask you about if someone's listening to this and, and they are maybe a, a parent who is, has a child going through this, from someone who's been the child going through this, what would you say to that parent Aww. or friend? You know, what would you say to them? Yeah, what I told my parents, like, you're not doing anything wrong. You just need to do it more carefully. <laughs> What do you mean? Like, uh, I don't think my parents didn't love me or wanted to hurt me, but it it was the way that they expressed love. Like they wanted to take care of me, but they used the wrong words. Like, don't tell my mom this because she cries every time. But once I am... Once I got a cereal bowl because I love cereal. I could live from cereal. So I, I, it was Cheerios or something like that. And I got a big bowl of cereal. Another nutritional product. Ah? Huh? Another nutritional food. Uh, <laughs> Cheerios. And Lucky Charms. Those are my favorites. So I served myself this bowl of cereal and my mom looked at it and told me like, are you eating that? Just a big will eat that. And I was like, I ate it. I ate the cereal, but with guilt and with shame of me wanted, wanted cereal, you know? So if you are a parent or if you are a friend and you see someone kind of struggling with eating disorders, which is very easy to notice if you ask me, uh, just love them and n- never tell them anything about their bodies. Because um, at the very end, we are not what we see. So if you want to show love to someone, like 
praise their being, nor their no, not their packages, because the package will ultimately die, but the being will remain forever. What else and, would you say to uh, uh, a parent or someone who knows that their friend or brother, sister, whatever is going through something like this? What what can they they do to to be of best service for uh, that that sort of person? That, that's their, you know, what I'm trying to say the person going through that sort of thing. See, see, see. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what um, what I've done because I've seen a lot of friends of mine struggling with that, and I don't want to be rude or like <laughs> with them. I just ask them if they feel okay and very in a very subtle way, I start asking them questions. And if I see that they might have this eating disorder, I, I will tell them my story. Or if you don't have a story like that, you can refer them to someone. There's a lot of podcasts and interviews and stuff about eating disorders in, in internet uh, so offer the help because you never know when this eating disorder is about to end with someone's life because it's that it's that important for for us we think it's it is important what sort of questions do you ask um you said you ask questions what sort of questions do you ask? yeah because I've seen uh, friends of mine like eating like I used to eat, you know, like shredding all the food and and just eating a little. So I ask like, oh, you always eat like that? I, I, I do the same. I did the same once or stuff like that. Um, yeah. Or if they are, are just eating like ultra super healthy stuff and they don't buy the pizza or something like that. I will ask like, you don't you don't like pizza or, you know, like just, just to care, just because I care and trying to not be an intruder, you know, Mm -hmm. because like, that's my, you know, I've got two questions. I don't know which one to ask first. I'm going to start with the first one, which is you're already giving us some ideas, but what are the symptoms to look out for? You've already said someone might be, there sounds like there's strategies there that I hadn't even thought of, like shredding the food. Uh, What, what, um, what are kind of strategies can you look out for? Well, um, I, I can talk about my experience because mm-hmm. it's a whole range of, uh, of hints of this kind of disorders. But I would never eat in front of anyone. Like if it was a dinner, I just arrived before, um, after everyone finished. And if they offer me food, I always respond like, oh, no, I'm super full. I just ate a bunch of whatever uh, stuff like that. I was always biting my nails. Um, I would scratch my legs every time I feel I felt hung- hungry. Just to hurt my body because it, it was feeling hungry and it wasn't supposed to. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's a horrible situation. It's it's not pretty at all. Um, or if if I had to eat, I will just stand up 
very quickly and I went to the bathroom and and vomit vomited all. Even if I just chew a, three pieces of something, I will do that. Or I will drink a lot, a lot, a lot of water all the time. And if it was um, a party or a gathering where everybody's eating, I will drink more water in order to feel full. Mm-hmm. I will chew uh, ice cubes. Mm. Yeah, tricks like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you, be, you become a, a, a professional liar. Yeah. If, if someone is um, aw- already aware that someone they love has a clear eating disorder, is there like things they could say or talk to them about? Or are they, you know, ha- I don't, you know, they're so sensitive at that point and they're just in this um, experience. Mm-hmm. How can someone, I almost feel like if they tr- go too intense, they, it, it can be overwhelming or scare them away or, so how, how can they approach? What's, what's your top tips about approaching? <laughs> well, in my experience, it doesn't matter if you are kind or tough in order to talk about an eating disorder with a person that has it. Mm-hmm. It, it, would, it wouldn't matter. I felt I was dying and I was still uh, taking the pills in order to get thinner. My my family was devastated. My boyfriend, which is my husband now, he was super tough with me and it didn't matter. Like nothing mattered. Uh, The most important thing is that they wouldn't let me go. So... I will say that help, offer your help. It doesn't matter how it looks like because someday the the person with the eating disorder will take that help because we know, we know it's not okay to hurt yourself or to cry every night or not eat if you're a human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just offer the help. Like I, I, I didn't care how it come, how it came you know, in Britain um, and some other countries, but we're known for um, being polite, you know? <laughs> and I so know. are you saying this is not a time to be polite and bite your tongue and hold back? Like if you want to offer help every day, offer help every day, or is that what you're, you're, you would recommend personally? See, si, yes. In my experience, yes. So you're asking a Mexican. So I would say you never bite your tongue, like ever. Why? <laughs> if you want a training of that come to my house and i can show you how to just say speak stuff and that's it <laughs> i invite you all to my home, new home but yeah don't do that don't be and more more most of all just be super present the most present you can be the open your your heart the most you can and show the love to this person the most you can. It doesn't matter how it looks like. What it does matter is the the passion, the love that you want to show your loved one. Because that's one that's what's touched us. The love. We we just want love. It doesn't matter how it looks like. Wow, that can give someone or a lot of permission just to, to be themselves around this. Because you know you might try not look scared for them or something, mm-hmm. but actually 
that might be how love expresses itself at that moment in time. And you're saying, I'm scared for you or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah. See, totally. Actually, I told you, like, I realized I need help and I went to a psychologist and I lied to her and I cheated and she never knew that I was um, still with the problem. She thought I was fine. But the boyfriend, which is the husband now, uh, he didn't bite his tongue at all. Uh, and that's what shaked me because I thought nobody loved me. And I think most of them didn't because I was super annoying. <laughs> like, I was a liar and I was angry all the time. But these men did. Why? Just God knows. Because he just loved me as I was. So I found this boyfriend and we have the best relationship ever. And obviously he knew that I had some eating disorder issues. And he told me like, just stop because we are happy and you have everything and let's have fun. And I was like, okay. So we traveled together. We did stuff together. And I promised him after going to a bar and I was in the hospital because I was taking the pills and it was a mess. So I promised him that I will never take the pills and I was supposed to eat normally. I promised him and I failed. I cheated. I didn't eat in a week. We went for a trip into a trip and I didn't eat. I, I remember I ate one cookie in the whole trip. It was a very good cookie, though. <laughs> but it was just one. So it doesn't count for a week. So he noticed it. And oof, long story. But at the end, uh, after I went out of the hospital, the last time I was there, um, I was expecting him to tell me that, oh, poor Ishani, I love you. I will take care of you. I understand that you are fat and ugly, but I will be with you even though, right? That was my scenario. So he called me and told me like, I need to talk to you. And I was, yeah, okay, come and love me. <laughs> so he told me, I think you're perfect. I think you are the most beautiful woman on earth. I love the way you are. Uh, I want to spend my eternal life with you. I, I want to be with you, but I don't want to be your dad or your, I don't want to have to charge, charge you. No. Drag you? Yeah. Pull you? Uh-huh. I, see, I don't want to drag you. Right. And I, I, don't, I, I don't want to be that person. I want someone like me and someone with, I can share with, right? And if you can't do that, I think we're over. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. You love me. You can't just leave me <laughs> because I don't eat. And yeah, and that's what happened. I, I thought like I'm about to lose the love of my life, the most pure and amazing relationship I have just because I don't want to eat because I think I'm fat and ugly and I'm wearing size double zero. How on earth? <laughs> and and it all started to change so there was just this moment where he was in a way ruthlessly compassionate i love you but i won't i won't do this yeah and i i love that about him 
And he taught me to, to live my life like that, like ruthless, you know, ruthless because of the love, ruthless because we, we deserve to have a beautiful, shiny life. So for those of um, people out there watching this, maybe even have, have the, uh, this um, disorder, uh, but they don't actually happen to have a, a knight in shining armor, male or female, um, to help them. Uh, you know, what, what, can, what would you say to them? I can be yours. <laughs> yeah, you can text me, you can write me, you can call me, you can whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like use me uh, for you guys or for anyone you know with this kind of story. Every eating disorder story is different. Um, mine, is what, it was too dark, <laughs> too dark for me, but I've survived. And this is, this is um, being recorded on Mental Health Day. Did you know that? Today's Mental Health Day. Nope. <laughs> it was kind of the perfect uh, conversation to be having in a way. And um, I came across a stat today that said there's 16 million people uh, with eating disorders in the world today. Mm-hmm. 16 million. Like, just look around, look in your inner circle. There's a lot of people struggling with it. It might not be in, in this um, side of the darkness that I'm talking to you. Like it might not be this huge, hugeness but look around you look at your friends or your family and and look how they feel about love and acceptance and how they translate that to their bodies it doesn't have to be if they are fat or skin but it might look that if they are blonde or brunette or we are trying to change our bodies all the time in order to receive love and it makes no sense, really. Like ultimately, it it makes no sense. But it's, look around, it's, and it's, it's quite an intense uh, conditioning that humanity's gone through, or those subject to um, certain media and See? music industry and Hollywood and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I had a a very compared to you, I had like a very small eating disorder, you know, I did eat. Um, but I would go through periods where I didn't. So it wasn't like all the time, like you for a decade, it was just occasionally, if I had a problem, I would just lose my appetite. And I literally just could not eat until someone asked me, Hey, do you have a problem? But they'd only asked me once they noticed that I had lost weight, I was looking gone. I was, you know, my pants were falling off as well. And Mm-hmm. And then I'd be able to finally tell them, you know, oh, yeah, I've got a problem about something. And then I get my appetite back. What, but it was an unhealthy cycle because it could last weeks until someone actually noticed I'd lost weight and I wasn't eating, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, it's a long story. So it, I'm sharing that story just to, to say that there's, there is so many different ways that we can um, harm our body or have some sort of issue that, impacts our body do the mind body connection and all that sort of stuff you know exactly and and because it's not the human 
uh, fault, but we are bombarded by, by images all the time of how do you need to look, how do you know, how do you need to be, like all these um, references of how we supposed how life is supposed to be another thing that the current life you have. Mm. That's insane insane it's crazy the life you're supposed to have is the life you have now can you make her brighter and shinier and happier yes you can but not changing the outside like that's the problem like like we are so engaged with the objective world and we need to go deeper because we are deep beings we are we are passion and we are love and we are letting that aside because we are so worried about how our hair looks like so we need to discover more inside like living a life from inside and then go out to the world and spread the sparkles and the love and and care about each other like life can be that amazing i'm mexican you can see it right right i'm just letting you go with i don't want to interrupt (laughs) <laughs> you know i think it's inspiring just just seeing how you are now you know and the the life you've got and the joy you've got the fact you can talk about this um lightly as well you know you've 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 gone on such a journey um and i'm really grateful that you've taken the time to tell us um so apart from knitting shiny armor apart from that what else you know before we move on to the next thing i want to talk about with you what else, um, what other strategies did you uh, adopt or how else did you overcome this eating disorder? Like, I imagine like when you first started to try to eat, it must have been pretty foreign after 10 years. Like, how, how did you make that move, that transition from one cookie a week to, to um, you know, I've seen you eat now. We've been out oh, for meals, so you can eat. I, I love to eat. Yeah. I, so I how love did you make that transition? Hmm? I love to live. Eating is part of living, right? Mm -hmm. Like somehow you need to understand that that human stuff, it's part of living and we are playing humans. So (laughs) like get everything from it. So the first time uh, that I told myself like, oops, I need help. And I went to the, um, the psychologist, which I love her. And I would really like to contact her and tell her like, I, I could do it because she told me you could never get rid of this uh, of this situation. And I thought like, so why am I paying you <laughs> then? <laughs> like, but 10-ish years later, I understand what she told me. Because it, it feels like it never goes away, like the thoughts of it. This is a very tricky part. So I asked for help. She kind of made me eat, which I didn't like. And it was hard. I, as you're saying, like the first bites were like, I don't want this chicken soup. And I love chicken soup, but I didn't want it at that moment. And it felt like a struggle, like a battle, like the, the right thing to do and what I wanted to do. Like, I don't want to eat. So eat. I I don't want to live. So live and eat. Like oh. so it, it felt like a battle. But later 
uh, when the boyfriend thing happened, I I I I realized that I needed change because the love I had in my life at that point I I don't want to I didn't want to lose it, and it was an inner realis- realization realization is the word. Mm-hmm. It was an, an inner thing. And I was just very aware of the help that I could get. I didn't went to another doctor or I, I didn't look for another appointment. I just was, I was just so present trying to, to, to be aware of the help that I was offered to. And then this meditation monks appeared in my life and Maybe you are familiar with the Ishayas here? Some they of them do. do. Yeah. They know I'm an Ishaya monk. So. Yeah, well, those Ishayas, those kind of Ishayas appeared in my life. They never promised I will be cured. They never, ever talked to me about any eating disorder at all. They they never said anything, but they presented, presented to me an inner life, which I thought I didn't have. I had an exterior objective, pure object life, but they presented this other kind of life in which everything is about the inside and about to be present and about the self-love. And I kind of like it. So I started playing with the meditation stuff and I really like it. So my attention went from the food and my stomach and my my body to this amazingness that I was discovering inside of myself. Like, oh, there's love. Like, oh, there's joy. Oh, there's magic. Like there's other stuff that doesn't have anything to do with clothes or bones, right? (laughs) So I didn't try to start eating, I just started started from zero. Sounds like you, you, you rediscovered the inner stillness as we talk about. Yeah. The inner, inner silence, the inner presence, which is love, joy, peace, all that good stuff. And it sounds a bit like that in, just naturally swallowed up the <laughs> disorder in a way. Yeah. And I, I know it sounds like magic, like a Harry Potter kind of chapter but it was like that but to explain it explain it more logical I think just my my attention just moved that was it I was so into being skin and to have love from the world and this other thing was so interesting that I forgot I totally forgot about the being skinner and I discovered what I was looking for. I discovered love inside. I wasn't, I wasn't looking for being skinner. I wasn't looking to be loved. And I discovered that I didn't need anyone outside to give me love because the source of love was inside of myself all, the, all this time. <laughs> but I didn't knew it, know it. So, so my attention went to this 
and I forgot about the eating disorder and I just start eating. I don't know how I just. So what I'm hearing as you're talking is this has now moved into other territory that anyone listening with any problem that is consuming them right now can maybe apply what you're talking about. So if we think about anything that we think is wrong with this objective world for you, you know, it, it could be a job, it could be amount of money, it could be what's happening in the world, anything objective to you that you are finding a struggle with. Yes, you're my- saying shift your attention. Yes, totally. Yes. So when people told me about my eating disorder, I I said like, yeah, I had an eating disorder. No, no, no. I just have a disorder in my mind, a distortion, you know, like, so then my attention uh, comes to this other thing that doesn't move and and it's full and it's inside of me. So that's it. So I translated that to all the things in my life I was saying. Like if, if I struggle with something at the work, like I, I remember, and then I try to come back, back to this inner magical, wonderful place. It's so epic. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've said many times and you may have heard people what listening to this may have heard that, you know, one of the most important things that you can gain mastery over is attention where, where you're paying attention. If you don't have control over where you're paying, paying your attention, someone else probably does. Or at least, you're, or, or if it's not someone else, it could be your ego or whatever has control over where you're placing the attention. And until you actually do this, it's easy to, to dismiss it or just say, oh, it's not as simple as that. These disorders are complex, very difficult. <laughs> you know, it's impossible. You need years mm-hmm. of, of therapy or whatever. But, you know, you are... It's talking from experience, you went for a, from a decade of <laughs> yeah. harming your body this way. It was a well, you could say it was a well entrenched habit. Um, it was, you know, and yet by shifting your, your attention from the external world to rediscover this inner world, you're saying that was one of the biggest things that helped you? It was the thing that helped me. Because as I was telling you, like, I understand now what the psychologist told me about you are not going to be um, over, what's the word? You're not going to get over this. You'll always have this, something along these lines. Yes, she told me that. And I was obviously angry, but I understand now because nothing, it's for forever. Like every everything is moving all the time. So... I I put my attention like here inside and it was fascinating. And for a long time, my attention was there. But as I have a mind and a nervous system, <laughs> I started thinking again <laughs> about how I should be skinnier <laughs> again. And, and I kind of understand this woman now because the thoughts arises sometimes until these days, like I can see those thoughts. But as you are saying, it's about the attention. Attention is like the key to survive planet Earth, I think. <laughs> so I, I see, I can see the thoughts rising from the back of my head. Like 
you are fat again. And for me, that this is not a truth anymore. It's just a reminder that my attention, it's in other place that is not inside. So I feel very grateful for, for those, those thoughts too. Even for those emotions that the thought can cause. Because they are reminders for me that I need to move again to this uh, happy inner place. So the relationship with those thoughts now, it's different. They are reminders now to come back. And in the past, there weren't reminders to come back to anywhere. They were like, <laughs> they were true. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, the big truth of my life. You are fat, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So this is really helpful because, you know, when, when, you know, I'm, we're sharing this new relationship with the mind a lot in the club and the academy and with my one-on-one clients and stuff. And so I'm often asked, you know, or people often share, let's say they, they share that, oh, it's not working because I'm still having the thoughts. Mm. And I'm like, well, we can deal with that with therapy if you want. But the, the, the game of healing your relationship with the mind and thoughts is that these thoughts might still come, but you will have a different relationship with them. And I love how you're putting it. They're just like reminders that your attention must have left the inner world. Totally. If my attention weren't outside, the thought would never arise in the first place. Because if my attention is inward, there's no engaging thoughts there. Just for those listening that might not get the, the inward and outward, like some people might think thoughts are internal. So can you explain that a little bit? They might think that thoughts are happening inside. No, amigos. No, my friends. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, I'm not the truth holder. <laughs> so when you mean when you say inward, what do you mean by that? And and how can inward not include thoughts, if that makes sense? Oh, I love this. Well, I will try to make it super easy because I have an easy kind of understanding of life, I think. So if you are super present, the more present you can, listen well, the more present you can, not the it's 100% present. No, the more present you can. Your attention is in this place where nothing moves. It's an inner, still, quiet, lovely, cozy place. You belong there. You actually are that place. So when you are there, nothing moves. Because there's no nervous system. It's just beautiful, still space. But we are plain humans here. We have a nervous system and a mind. mind, And that nervous system is in charge of your thinking, right? Like you need to kind of think in order to do stuff. So you move your attention from the cozy place to the thoughts. And then... Your attention, it's it's in the outside world, right? And then is where the thinking appears for me. Like there's thoughts, harmless, and there's thinking which might be harmful. <laughs> it's different to see the thoughts and to be thinking, right? Right, Tandy? Am I making sense with your stuff? <laughs> Yeah, it's just said through a different nervous system, but it's exactly the same. Right? Because thoughts are like deers. They're like just what? deers. Oh, deers. Or frogs. With horns. Or frogs. Or, or frogs. 
or mugs. Just thoughts, like poof. But if you put your attention there and you start thinking, that's where the problem began, <laughs> right? Because you left this moment, this space, in order to think. So that's a big difference for me. So if you want to try this, try it. Every time that a thought arises in your awareness, it's because you were already outside. And this beautiful thought is serving you, is trying to help you, like saying, hey, you're outside. Come, go back to your place. <laughs> so grab the thought, say thank you to it, and come, and come back. And it never ends, FYI. Like, uh, if you have a nervous system, you will have thoughts. So you have friends forever that will remind you to, co to come back. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Beautiful. <laughs> When I was preparing for tonight, um, I asked Maharani, what, what should I ask Ishani? Um, and she said, you've got to ask her about the other big thing she overcame in her life, which was nearly leaving uh, this knight in shining armor. So at some point you had a pretty big relationship bump. And um, I think many of us can relate to having relationship bumps. And so I'd love to, for you to share a bit about how you over, you know, what, in, you know, we've got about 10 minutes. So what, um, what was the big bump? What happened? Uh, mm. Whatever you're willing to share. And how did you overcome it? <laughs> my, my shiny armor. Well, the boyfriend, which is the husband now, is the best human in the world. So um, we ended up getting married. We are married uh, for 13 years, I think. Happily married. Uh, everything was fine. He's, he's, he's perfect. He's perfect. Um, he's kind of annoyingly perfect, actually. A what? He's a bit annoyingly perfect. He's just. He's annoyingly perfect. perfect. Yeah. I'm suspicious, yeah. but I'll... <laughs> it is suspicious too. Yeah, but he's perfect. So he's annoyingly perfect. He's just one of these people that have just <laughs> got it all together and just, you know. Anyway, I, I whenever well, I try to poke him sometimes, and I'm wearing, but he just no. Nah. No, you can't. Anyway, so this perfect part. What happened? How did you end up wanting to leave this perfect knight in shining armor? I'll love you unconditionally for the rest of your life, person. Exactly. Because attention, again, attention is the secret for everything. Because I have, I had everything perfect. The husband, the life, the art career, the teaching, the meditation, the, everything was perfect. Perfect. Pristine perfect. But my attention moved. <laughs> was one of those times that my attention moved from here to... So I met this other person, a randomly person, randomly know someone else. And I thought I was in love. <laughs> With the other guy. Yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought that. And it is funny right now, these days. It wasn't funny at that moment. Uh, so my attention moved from the perfection of the present moment to an imaginary other life because it was imaginary i just met someone randomly and my my attention grabbed the outside moment and started creating stories that never existed and i was in love with a story in my head 
And I created all this mess in my real life because my attention was creating stuff in my imagination that they, they didn't exist. So it was a long story, like a long two-year story, I think, or maybe, maybe one or two years, I can't remember. Um, but at the, it's, it was the same as um, anorexia. It was at some point that I, I told myself, like, Ishani, stop. You can have one leg in one ship and one leg in the other ship because you were not your life, right? So... Yeah, it sounds hurtful, hurtful, and it was very hurtful. So I think you need to be very, very brave to embrace your life as it is. Because your imagination will tell you that there's another life you could have. And it will be better than, than your actual life. And that's a trick from the mind, from the ego, basically. So... I needed to be very brave. I was very, very brave. And it, it, I could feel the, but I just decided to stop. Just stop the imagination. Just stop the fake story that I was making up with this other person. And it cost me, it, it hurt, it hurt. But I just stopped. And from one day to another, I, I told my husband that I, I know you, can't trust me probably and I understand that you're right uh, but I need you to trust me in this one I'm here for you I'm a hundred percent here and this amazing beautiful perfect man trust me again and we are here happy and supporting each other every single time even in those times he supported me it, that's a little insane but he did it that's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> the heart melts. Well, I'm going to pull this interview to a close and then um, maybe you can stay on the line and talk to uh, the guys that are listening live. So we'll I'll kind of officially end this. So thank you so much uh, for spending this time with us, Ishani. Amigo, gracias. Thank you so much to, to you like in, in the Mind Detox Club people. I think you are awesome because you have an awesome instructor with you. I met him a few years ago and I, I can say I love him, like squeeze him, take advantage of him. I think you, Sandy or Sutratman, as I call you, you are a wonderful, wonderful being. And I love that you are making this for other people, this kind of service. This is the help that I was talking about uh, before. You are helping us. You're helping me to put my story outside. You're helping others in order to see stuff. And it will be awesome to um, walk this path with you. Like, you guys are so lucky. And I'm so lucky to have you in my life, Supratman. Oh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. The feeling's mutual. And uh, we're, I'm going to put this in a podcast so that it can get out further. Uh, I, yeah. think, uh, I think a lot of people need to hear this. You're, you're so inspiring. And, it's so down to earth, so real, so honest, and uh, I really, I'm really grateful for you spending some time with us today. Thank you.